Party on, Sal. Rock on. Rock on. Well, welcome back, podcasters, to another episode of the Party on Johncast, a most excellent, rad, cool podcast dealing with theology, music, what we're drinking, and just all-around awesome topics. Absolutely. It is great to be here today. Where are we? We are in a brew house. A brew house? Which brew house? Angry Eric's brew house. Angry Eric in Hampton, New Jersey, hailing from Hampton, straight out of Hampton. Straight out of Hampton. I, I hear tell there is a t-shirt with that on it. There so um, we are here in Hampton, New Jersey at Angry, Her- Angry Eric's uh, Brewing Company, and uh, Angry Eric is uh, actually joining us, uh, though he is not the master brewer, but we'll get into that in a little bit. So, uh, yeah. So here we are with all this brewing equipment around us, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. Anyway, I'm uh, the Reverend Sal Marco, uh, a teaching elder in the Presbyterian Church USA, in the Presbytery of the Highlands, in the Validated Ministry of Hospice Chaplaincy. And I am the Rockin' Reverend Todd Laddick, uh, a, a, an ordained elder in the, great, in the United Methodist Church of Greater New Jersey, serving a, an, a congregation in Newton, New Jersey, which used to be on higher ground than Sal. Sometimes on Wednesdays I hear that still is the case. But, you know, you can cry a river later. Only when God ordains it. <laughs> you Presbyterian. You. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> okay, so uh, I hear tell we have a guest. We do have a guest. And who would this guest be? We kind of already introduced him, but we have with us... Angry, Angry Eric. Eric, introduce yourself. Well, I'm Eric Hossing. Uh, I'm the owner of Angry Eric Brewing. My wife and I own it, I should say. And... Uh, there's not too much more to it than that, but we own a brewery in northwestern New Jersey, and we're sitting in it now. So. Rock on. We are. Um, and I hear tell we are sipping on some pretty awesome brew. We are. Um, which brings us to our Hebrew segment. Hey, guys. How do you know that God likes beer? How so? Possibly Paul, but probably not wrote about it in the book of Hebrews. But a bunch. And that joke for all who listen to us will never cease. Never and, and if you keep listening to us, that's on you. I mean, it's on I, you. I don't know what to say at that point. But it's actually very apropos for where we are right now. We are, because we are sitting in a brew house, in the one and only Angry Eric brew house. And uh, right outside is the tasting room, and the Dragon's Lair is above, where there is currently a an awesome, um, an awesome rockin' uh, uh, trivia you know yep. thing going on so that sounds sounds pretty fun and i was just sharing with with uh eric i i sometimes frequent this place on thursdays and maybe i don't know saturdays and uh you know if i'm here on thursday and the second night of thursday is trivia night that could be a thing so and uh that is the very awesome uh, behind us. That is the the very, very awesome just checking to make sure that we are hydrated or and not. <laughs> we're not quite. I mean, I'm hydrated for a little well, while. Hydrated for a little while. I don't know brewery, so <laughs> that won't that's, take very long. That's, that's right. That's right. So, uh, yeah, here we are. And so what are we drinking? I guess we'll start with our guest. Well, I'm drinking Troll Baby. It's a session... Uh, IPA. So IPAs are obviously, uh, for those who don't know, hoppier beers. Session just means it's lower in alcohol. It's not really that low in alcohol. Craft brews sessions usually mean around 5%, which is for, you know, people who don't drink craft beer, it's kind of like Budweiser. Mm -hmm. Guinness is actually a little bit lower. People think it's high, but it's It's really not. not. It's just that it's a darker beer, so it's, and it's on nitro, so it's uh, nitrogen carbonation, so it's a little more bubbly um, or thick. You don't have to hide when you pass me the beer. <laughs> Thank and you. That though. is the awesome Jess. <laughs> Just give a shout out, Jess. Hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yes, uh, 
anyway, uh, so that sounds awesome. I have had the Troll Baby. It is delicious. I do like a good IPA. I do not like a not good IPA, and there is a difference. And there Angry is. Eric only makes the good variety, thankfully. Okay. So, um, Sal? Uh, I am drinking not an IPA. I'm drinking the, was it the Wake Up Again yes. coffee porter? Uh, I've always been a fan of darker stouts and porters. Um, any beer, really, but... Um, you worked a full day, so a little extra coffee in there a little might, extra coffee can might be get you like, home on the drive. He That's could right. use it. I could yeah. use the extra caffeine. So. And there's legit coffee in legit there. Coffee so. There is, yeah, yeah coffee. Yeah. Uh, cold brew coffee yeah. was added. So. And you can taste it. I you mean, can, it is delicious. You can definitely taste it. This is their 2020, right? Mm-hmm. Or 2019, which is it? Uh, 2020. 2020 uh, release, which obviously 2020. Yeah. It was, so it was released in 2021 in honor of 2020. <laughs> yeah, it was a beer that we released as part of our anniversary party. We had two anniversaries within basically a month because we were dealing with, uh, obviously, you know, COVID and so we couldn't have anniversary parties and stuff like that, or uh, certainly couldn't have done it responsibly. Sure. Um, I don't think we were shut down for the first party for 2019. But 2020. But by 2020, we definitely were. In 2019, uh, we wouldn't have done a party regardless because of the timing of it. It was You just, were just opening at that point, this new location, right? I mean, yeah, you had been we open opened for in the years. summer, yeah. but yeah. Yeah, and, and, and for those who didn't know, Angry Eric was op- in a different location in Lafayette. I guess it was Lafayette, right? Or was it still Hampton? It was Lafayette. Yeah. It was Lafayette, and they were located there um, for for the beginnings of their, their business. But in 2019, we're able to open up this new location in Hampton, which is bigger and better and just, you know. It's awesome. So, so this is commemorating uh, Sal's drink is commemorating 2020. 2020. And when's your? Did you already have the party for 2021? Yeah, we had that as well. Uh, so we did. So 19, we had our party. I should back up, correct myself. 2020, we did not have it because it was traditionally it was in February, but we were kind of trying to. Hmm. We opened originally in February. Not a great time to have parties. Probably not. Uh, you know, you pay for musicians, and in northwest New Jersey, you might have four feet of snow drop on you, you know, like happened last year. Um, so we were trying to move it over towards our anniversaries happening more like when our building opened, mm. our new building that we actually own, as opposed to when where we were renting. Sure. Um, but that's, it was in June. And, of course, you know, the pandemic was in full flight at that point. At that point, right. Um, right. Not that it's really over yet, but... But here we are. But here we are. Yeah. We're vaccinated. Getting, getting better. We're vaccinated. Maskless. We're, Look at this. This is this is a start, you know, yeah. and we're actually fairly socially distanced <laughs> yeah, around this fairly, table. Yeah. So this is, this is a start. We're socially distanced, maskless, in a brew house, drinking fine brew with the the co-owner uh, uh, of Angry Eric yep. and what more can be said yep. which brings me to my drink doesn't it it does I'm drinking something that I had first at the original location in Lafayette and I loved it so much and then the pandemic hit and I haven't been back to Angry Eric ever since just because I was in pandemic mode leading a church and there wasn't much time for me, sadly, wasn't much time for me to go and have a social life. And so so on this end of that, I'm beginning to get back out again into the community and uh, and sure enough, right in time for our our episode here is one of my favorites from Angry Eric, which I had at the original episode, which is Viva Verde. Uh, Viva Verde is Spanish for uh, the green life, right? They're living green Uh, or... Always green, I think. Always green or something like that. Um, My my wife speaks better Spanish than I do. She probably speaks better than me, too. I can find the bathroom if somebody gives me directions. Here's what I know. Uh, uh, Cerveza 
uh, una muy bueno, <laughs> muy delicioso, muy caliente, because this is brewed with hot, and I say hot, jalapenos. Now, I understand it's brewed first with jalapenos that have the seeds and the pith removed. Correct. Because it would be <clears throat> only hot, it would only be good enough for people like me. And then, um, and then you can, once it's brewed, you can add a jalapeno to it, and the alcohol just absorbs the spice from the jalapeno, which makes it more for people like me. So uh, it is a phenomenal beer. Uh, it is delicious, refreshing, summer, but could have it any time of the year. Um, that's my, my choice. Uh, so thank you, Angry Eric. Cheers. Awesome beer. Skull. We're gonna we're gonna do that right here. Yep. Awesome. I feel like we should have the Viking Vicar on with us. The Viking Vicar belongs here. Now we have a third Mike, so to speak, who lives out in Illinois, well, okay. and he is a Viking heritage, um, and would love Angry Eric. Feel like he'd like our overall theme here. I, I think he would like the yeah. overall theme. Probably find some, you know. Uh, hereditary bonding here, you know. There's a there's a lot to go on. I think that would happen here, uh, and certainly the good brew. Yeah, I mean, anytime you get somebody from Scandinavia in a place that has a long ship for a bar. <laughs> but by the way, we are <laughs> with going, a full sail. We'll do a panoramic picture of the 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 full half Viking bar ship. Experience, which it is that. Well, in fact, we'll do we'll do some pictures of the inside of Angry Eric so people can see it, and uh, yeah. and hopefully you're going to visit. That's the important thing. Uh, us talking about how good the beer is does you no good. So um, come by and visit Angry Eric. But that is our Hebrew segment, which brings us, and I apologize ahead of time, to our most excellent music segment. Shocking every time. That was a lot. Yeah. Angry Eric edition. Angry Eric edition. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. Yes, that is a bit much. Uh, and I am happy to deliver every time. Every time. So, who wants to go first? I'll go first. Um, so, we were talking about this last episode of mm-hmm. our love of heavy metal and metalcore. Metal and mm-hmm. uh, for those who don't know, that Phineas has dropped a new album called the fire itself phineas as opposed to phineas and ferb yes okay. not the ferb good good and not not the old testament <laughs> well based on the old testament character of course uh but so yeah they they dropped a new album called the fire itself uh so just in general I've been listening to that album on repeat it's a great uh, album it really is it is so go check it out on apple music wherever you get music but the song that i've been digging lately it's called uh, The Storm in Me. Pull me out of the water, pull me out of the sea, pull me out of the water, don't let the waves take me. So I'll read you the, the lyrics real quick. Uh, I'm swimming like a stone, I'm swimming like the stone in my heart, watching everything fall apart. I don't want to drown alone. I don't want to drown alone in my dark. My lungs are filling until my chest wants to burst. I tried to care all of it, but it, but I'm at my worst. I thought I was strong enough to stay afloat, but when the storm rolled in, with the bitter wind, the waves broke. Mm. I don't want to drown alone in my dark. A free fall into the grip of the void that crushes my ribs. Mm. Uh, your promise feels worthless. A mere thread sent down, it's not enough. When you're drowning, waves raise their thunder. I'm sent further underneath. I'm not strong enough to calm the storm within me. All of the weight I carry inside, every dagger at once in my mind, pulled under, screaming with the tide, left at the bottom, left behind. All of this I've only learned how to sink. I'm not strong enough to calm the storm in me. Wow. Powerful. Somebody needs a hug. Need yeah, a somebody, hug. <laughs> somebody needs a hug and a good brew. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. No. That's powerful, man. Yeah. Really powerful. So, 
And yeah. It just kind of it kind of connects that to that feeling that sometimes even in the midst of knowing that the promises of God are with us and sustain us, um, we feel like we're drowning. Absolutely. Yeah. And since it's not fair to always make the guests go first, I'll go next. And uh, I've been, you know, in honor, and we're a little late with this. We're recording this. We're early, but we're late. We're recording this on the 9th of September, just two days before the 20th anniversary of September 11th. And for our bonus podcast, uh, along with a more relevant October-themed discussion of uh, Columbus Day, we'll also include a a brief discussion of where we were on 9-11, you know, in in honor of the 20th anniversary of that tragic event. Um, But uh, in light of that event, uh, and realizing we never mentioned it when recording with Blank, er Lake. No, I'm not drinking Angry Eric beer. Uh, but but when we recorded with Blake, we didn't mention it because we were in August and not thinking of September. So here we are in September recording for August, and I'm going to mention the song that, that I've been listening to uh, in this week in light of 9-11, and that's Undivided by Bon Jovi. came out uh, the year of 9-11 or the year following 9-11 and it was uh, his reflection, John Bon Jovi's reflection and the band's reflection on 9-11 and uh, the things that that rocked the world at that time. Um, And there wasn't anybody in the world who didn't experience 9-11. It didn't matter whether you were American or not. People were just outpouring like support and prayer and uh, you know love to America at a time where we really needed it, and so this this song "Undivided" by Bon Jovi is a reflection on how everybody came together. You know, once we were divided, now we stand united, and it was a beautiful song at the time. Twenty years later, <laughs> it didn't age so well. And I love Bon Jovi, and I love the sentiment. And we were all feeling it in the moment, but it was in the moment because once we got out of that moment and we got back to politics as usual and worse, um, we are not so united anymore. In fact, we find ourselves almost in worse shape than we were. I would say before, absolutely. before, yeah. and certainly in the aftermath of nine eleven, yeah, you know, um, we were in, we were in worse shape now because then we had a common enemy. Now we are the common enemy. We we look at each other as the enemy, which is sad, um, and we, it shouldn't be, but it is. So, um, not to get too political there, that's my song, Undivided, Bon Jovi. Check it out. All right, so I guess it's my turn. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I can't say that I listen to all kinds of music. Um, I, you know, anything from country to hard rock to, you know, I still have CDs somewhere with, you know, things like Ice Cube and yeah. uh, Public Enemy. Heck yeah. Um, <laughs> and mixed in with some Bob Marley and other reggae. And so I really can't say that I focus on one kind of. Um, music because they all to me kind of like different kinds of beer have their place and their time right so lately I don't know why but I've been listening to a lot of uh, Jackson Brown well I've been running down the road trying to loosen my load I got seven women on my mind four that wanna own me two that wanna stone me one said she's a friend of mine Take it easy. Take Ooh, yeah. Uh, kind of, you know, for those kids out there, he's a kind of had his heyday in, I guess, the 70s, 70s I'd say, yeah. early 80s. Uh, singer, songwriter, very lyrical, and does a lot of uh, stories in his music. <clears throat> and just, you know, Heidi and I were dealing with a lot, and he just has a kind of nice, kind of soothing, quiet, you know, and um, given everything we're dealing with at home, 
um, that hit the spot in terms of us needing to lower the volume. Sure. Which sure. was weird for me because, you know, it seemed strange when Audio Slave came on and I <laughs> decided to change the station because it was too amped up and... Understood, yeah. You know, we were dealing with ID's father and his, uh, you know, eventual passing and uh, caring for him. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot going on and, you know, quieter music somehow hit the spot. We even went at one point to uh, classical music, which <clears throat> really kind of freaked me out because I thought I was becoming my father then. <laughs> Isn't that funny how that works? Yeah, all of a sudden... <laughs> You know, and as funny as it sounds to, I guess it probably doesn't sound funny to musicians, but certain classical music was still to seemed very active and yes. yeah. powerful. Yeah. To the point where we're like, you know, that's not the composer I want to listen to right now because right. because it's ramping <clears throat> you up in yeah. a way that. And maybe I'd never really listened to enough classical music to notice a distinction, but it, you know, some of it's soothing and some of it is really ramps you up if you listen to it. You can listen to soft classical and you can listen to quote unquote heavy metal classical. I mean, Beethoven is like heavy metal. Oh, yeah. Like, if you don't want to go to a dark, deep place, don't listen to heavy, don't listen to Beethoven. Just don't. Mozart, all (laughs) the way. (laughs) You know? But, but, but seriously. That is exactly what we determined. We were like, you know, that's Beethoven. I need to move on to the next song. Yeah. Because he was kind of He's bringing driving. you there. Yeah. yeah, he's bringing you there. I mean, you're already there. You don't need him to bring you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, um, but that's what, that is so true. Like, there is not one genre of music that doesn't speak to the soul. And, I, and I'm an eclectic music listener, too. In fact, I was just listening to Eminem's original uh, Slim Shady uh, you know, Slim Shady LP session or whatever, whatever that oh, was yeah. called, Slim Shady session, session or whatever. It's phenomenal stuff. Dre, Snoop, you know, like I don't, I don't necessarily understand or agree with the language or understand, you know, like the the objectification of women in that culture or whatnot. But that's beyond the point because that is a reflection of the culture, and that culture has a particular historical background. Yep. Which is steeped in racism and white flight and you name it. Um, and and you know what? They're expressing their reality. Yeah. I don't have to like it. I have to listen. That's the way I look at it. Yeah. And so I listen to people like Dr. Dre, Ice Cube, and I get an experience, an understanding, or at least somewhat of an understanding of an experience that I could never have because of who I am and how I grew up. Yeah. Um, just like you could listen to the blues or you could listen to country. You can listen to... You want to understand how politics have played out in the last five to six years? Listen to country music. It's not to say that those country stars even agree with the political views of any particular person, but you want to understand the common people who vote that way? Listen to that music and hear what what is important to them. Because if you don't, you're ignoring them and you're part of the problem. And that's the way I look at it. Um, we can point fingers all day long at who's right and who's wrong, but if we're not a part of the solution, we're a part of the problem. And, um, yeah, I don't know how we got there. But we're moving on. <laughs> Thank you for that, that sharing, uh, Eric. I throw up another point. I, oh, sure. You mentioned that you some of the music you thought you were turning into your father. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When my son was born, when Calvin was born, I found myself listening to the Beatles a lot. And the Beatles were, are my dad's favorite band. Sure. And I said, holy crap, I'm becoming my father. I became a father and I turned into my father. Yeah, and I've been listening to the Beatles too, ironically, <laughs> which is funny. But, um, it's weird how that happens, you turn into your parents. You do. do. like early Beatles or late Beatles? Because I like the later stuff. Yeah, like the, I'm more of a later Beatles yeah. fan, though I could have written a better Yellow Submarine song. That's yes. another thing. Mm-hmm. You have to kind of be where they were to understand the Yellow Submarine. And I'm not promoting that on the Party on John cast. No. But I get it. And it was, a, you know, I get it. Uh, but I am more of a later Beatles person. Yeah. Um, I'm more of a 
a, a, a later Beatles person, and that was me graciously accepting beer. Yes, um, but also, I, I have to say that uh, some of the earlier stuff was pretty impressive, too. It just, I think the earlier stuff was like, hey, we're going to sell you to America. You know, we're going to yeah. sell yeah. And it was the big craze, and then they grew as artists, yeah. If I, if I had to pick a favorite song, I think it'd be like Helter Skelter. Helter Skelter, so good. And, you know, it's been covered yeah. numerous times, I think, oh. because of that, but such a good song. And so much deeper in my mind than the early stuff where, oh yeah, like you said, it was, you know, they were selling them to, yeah. they were kind of a boy band who could play music. They were the next yeah. big yeah. act. Yeah. yeah, I won't yeah. call them a boy band, but... Because they, they actually played and instruments and, and stuff wrote like their that songs. and wrote their songs. <laughs> yeah. But they, but you know, the, yeah, there were, close there were plenty of 13-year-old girls screaming at every oh, yeah. concert. So, yeah. Absolutely. That and those were. 13-year-old girls grew with the band just like the yep. New Kids on the Block or Backstreet Boys. They were their yep. generation's boy band, yep. just with a little more talent. Yep. Yeah. I get, well, talent in the sense of songwriting. Mm-hmm. Can't knock the talent of the... Dudes, otherwise. Other way. No. Thank you so much. I'm certainly not going to pretend I can dance like I'm not some gonna, of these boy bands. So definitely not going to dance like the talent. boy bands. Um, and that was Jess just rocking out another beer. So, uh, yeah, so let's bring us into our main topic, which is Angry Eric. In fact, we're going to call this, let's call this Don't Get Mad, Get Angry. Okay. That's going like to be it. our episode name. <laughs> you've heard it here. And of course, you'll have seen the name before you heard it here. But still, you've heard it here. Okay. So, so Eric, tell me what you... Th- tell me the story of Angry Eric, however you want to. All right. Um, so, we basically... Heidi and I started brewing together. Uh, we were living in the city. I was... She was in graduate school for biochemistry. I was working at the Bronx DA's office uh, as a prosecutor there. So the city being New York. The city being New yeah. York. I shouldn't be so tri-state area. Yeah, <laughs> egocentric <laughs> on a podcast when people from anywhere can. But New York City. Right. Uh, I think they got it when you said Bronx. But. Yeah. <laughs> But we had a small, like, Mr. Beer kit that we started with that Heidi loves cooking and uh, is a great, really, chef. But uh, I won't say cook because she's better than that. Amen. Um, well, listen. Because she, she makes her own, you know, she's a, she's the person that almost annoys you where she comes into a kitchen with hardly any ingredients and makes something fabulous out of it. But, um, so, so you're telling me that her craft doesn't just end with beer. No, it started with cooking and a lot of that, like things like jalapenos in the beer, but also we have like Mary Shroom, which has mushrooms yes. and rosemary in it. Oh. A lot of it's inspired by cooking. Um, and, you know, beer is food. It is. At the end of the day. Um, and I think for too long after Prohibition ended, um, and only the big breweries survived. You know, this country had a long history of just kind of pretending that beer is a light Pilsner lager. Mm. And there's certainly a place for that Made in this from country. Beechwood. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Beechwood aged in Beechwood. But, you know, even without, you know, Beechwood aging that Budweiser does. There's Coors and um, any number of other breweries that were quite big and still are, like Miller and um, some others that were primarily focused on one type of beer. One type. Um, You know, we do, we've done 60 to 70, probably 80 now, different beers at our brewery. Um, There's a whole variety of beers you can do. Um, and in our case, it's all heavily influenced by Heidi's cooking. And when we had that little one-bedroom apartment in Queens, uh, well, it started in Manhattan, I guess, when she was, we were in student housing there. And then once she left graduate school, 
um, the rent uh, for the Upper East Side apartment was not going to happen, and we <laughs> went to Queens and uh, lived there for a while, and then we came to New Jersey, and our brewing habit, you know, it started as something I would do while she'd cook, but then I'd turn my back and she'd start throwing ingredients into the... So you nice. were the one who started it, well, but she it got grew me into the, her. Yeah, she got me the Mr. Beer kit, but then it turned into... Every time I turned my back, she was like, why don't we add this? Why don't we add that, you know? And she was always right, you know, which is super annoying. Um, <laughs> but the beers From were From one better. husband to the other. <laughs> All three husbands here, we get it. Sorry, Allison. Sorry, Bernie. Sorry, Heidi. <laughs> but, uh, you know, at, at a certain point, then... We moved back uh, to New Jersey. We weren't from New Jersey originally, but I went to law school here, so you kind of end up taking the bar in New York and New Jersey, yep. and you end up in the tri-state area. Um, so when we're tired of New York, I guess, and I didn't want to be pigeonholed into one kind of law, Yeah. Um, then we moved out here, and uh, once we got a house, then we had more room for equipment. And so then we started brewing bigger and more frequently, you know, and more than two people's livers should consume. <laughs> so then we started giving beer to neighbors, and uh, slowly, you know, there was a change in the law in New Jersey that allowed a lot more small small breweries to... Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Got to make sure... Uh, Jess keeps me hydrated. hydrated. Jess is awesome. Let me tell you. You do rock, Jess. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, So then we basically, you know, just got too big for home brewing. And there was, like I said, some laws changed that made it a lot easier to open without having millions of dollars in backing. Um, You were allowed to self-distribute after that law passed, which means you weren't opening a brewery and being forced to use a distributor to get your beer to the customers. Right. Um, where, obviously, if you're a brand-new brewery and have no, really, customer base and nobody who likes you or knows about you, even because you're brand-new, right? and then you've got to negotiate a distribution contract with a <laughs> distributor, you can imagine, and they know that there's no way you can get your beer to market without them, and there's three of them in this area that right. you can negotiate with. You can imagine the kind of um, contractual power disparity that they had. Absolutely. Um, For sure. So that changed with a new law that was pushed through by the uh, Brewer- New Jersey Brewers Guild. And, you know, to their credit, a lot of bigger breweries in New Jersey, uh, they, you know, they're not big, big, but... Uh, local breweries in New Jersey who at the time pushed that through uh, in spite of the fact that really it didn't necessarily help them because they were already established uh, it did help them in the sense that they were allowed to have tasting rooms and um, sell a little more beer out of the tasting room and in the tasting room Uh, but really you know they did a lot in terms of pushing for and changing the law that um, didn't necessarily created competition for them right right And, you know, candidly, we were some of that competition, I suppose, except we're so far north and west that nobody really knows where (laughs) we are. You know, you mentioned Hampton Township. I should say we're in Newton Mm -hmm. because there's another Hampton Township that's down near Somerset County, more mid-New Jersey. The Um, Newton Hampton Township. Yeah, the Newton Hampton Township. Newton's, Newton's zip code. Like yep. everything in New yep. Jersey, that like, doesn't make sense. Uh, no. We, we're in we have a post office that is Newton, but we're in Hampton Town. That's right. Yes. So, uh, but, you know, we fortunately, we, we started small. Everybody thought we were insane starting a craft brewery in Sussex County. Uh, it was kind of historically kind of a, you know, it's a rural county. There's lots of farms still. And, yep. Um, most of the bars and restaurants served kind of the big three and assumed that was what people wanted or it was assumed that nobody wanted anything else. Sure. Um, So then we're trying to come in with craft beer and fortunately uh, 
people did want craft beer. There's a market for it. There's a market for it. Uh, And beer hits every demographic, folks. It doesn't matter if you're GOP Republican or far-left commie liberal, you know, to throw out pejoratives. It doesn't matter where on the spectrum you live. If you like beer, you like beer, and Angry Eric's providing it. And it's providing it to all people of all demographics. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the beautiful things about our tasting room and I think, you know, what we've built here is we have all those people in the tasting room every day. And they can sit down and have a beer and talk to each other and uh, get past some of the vitriol that's been going on in the country. You know, there's always your outliers who, you know, just are antisocial or angry at the world, and you're not going to convince them to sit down with the other side and talk something out. Ever. Ever. No. They're, they're in their own dark space, and, you know, you can't get them out. But 95% of people, you can get out of that space, and they can sit down and have a beer with a fellow American— and regardless of their political spectrum, enjoy themselves, talk about different things, even talk about politics, and go home and still be friends. Amen. Boy, we need to get back to that. And actually, that's a good segue into the second part of this. So we've got the story of Angry Eric, and uh, behind every great namesake for a brewing company is a master brewer. By the name of Heidi. So we have to give credit to Heidi, uh, who took Angry Eric's hobby and turned it into a profession. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, people always wonder why we named it Angry Eric. And, you know, I'll be honest, the reason was we were looking for some name that kind of went along with our Scandinavian, yeah. my Scandinavian heritage. And, you know, you want the name to be somehow personal and to memorable. one of you, you yeah. know. Mm-hmm. And the Scandinavian thing and the Viking era, you know, even though obviously, you know, if you really look into the Viking era, they're kind of not the nicest people. <laughs> That's true. But We're promoting the nicer side yeah, of the Vikings. Yeah. <laughs> the beer. You know, the fancy <laughs> ships and dragons and, and stuff like and that. And the good ale. Not yeah. The, yeah. The, rena- not, the Renaissance Fair Vikings, not the actual Vikings. Yeah, not, yes, not yes, the... Yeah, yeah, not... Leif Erikson take over the world Vikings yeah yeah not the Bluetooth Vikings (laughs) but but you know we so the problem was Minnesota Vikings either I had to put that out there for you football fans sorry well and Minnesota was a problem (laughs) because anytime we looked up some sort of Scandinavian heritage Viking theme there's some brewery in Minnesota or oh, Michigan who's named a beer that, who's named their brewery that. Like, you're not going to name yourself Thor's Hammer Brewery. Like, there's someone out there that beat you to it. Because of the Vikings. Because yeah, of the Vikings. Of course, of course. And, you know, so... <laughs> but then we remembered that when I was a prosecutor in the Bronx, I was nicknamed Angry Eric. <laughs> I don't think I was angry. That's inside information right there, folks. Yeah. Angry Eric is the not only the nickname, but the reputation, maybe undeserved, of uh, the namesake of Angry Eric. So that's interesting. Heidi yeah. will say it's deserved. but <laughs> So really, we named it kind of after that nickname. Sure. Which, again, I think I was framed by other prosecutors and nicknamed me that. But I would just, you know, yell back at judges, and that wasn't very common amongst young prosecutors and oh gotcha so i got that nickname well that's actually you know what that is quite in the viking spirit actually so go you and i I have a long face so if i'm not smiling i have resting eric face you know (laughs) uh i can look like kind of intimidating and mean and i don't always mean to do that and you're really not you know i'm sure anybody gets mad you're mean when you're mad sure yeah when yeah. When I'm mad, I'm intense, but not, you no. know, I've never been really you're, the guy who's out of control. You're not or, a pillaging Viking. No, no. <laughs> I don't really understand people who punch walls. I think they're just being children, you know, like <laughs> that sort of angry, like, doesn't He's a make mature any sense. angry, Eric. That's right. <laughs> That's, That's right. right. I still use my words. That's- 
to Ma- discuss things. Maturely angry. Even if <laughs> even if you're very incorrect. Righteously angry. Righteous anger. Righteous anger. Yes, yes. Uh, don't be angry. Don't get mad. Get righteously angry. That's what we're going to call this now. That's right. Okay. But, yeah, so Heidi, basically, though, if you're going to pick who's going to be the head brewer of the new brewery you just opened, um, it's going to be the person with a biochemistry master's from Cornell who's been valedictorian everywhere she went. And is a chef in her own kitchen, let alone elsewhere. Well, she's also a trained chef, too, because after... After she left uh, graduate school, because she kind of realized she didn't want to write grant proposals the rest of her life, and a lot of times once you become a get your PhD and you have a lab, then you're writing grant proposals sure. and trying to fund that lab. Sure. Um, and she kind of liked the hands-on stuff, so this is kind of a good mix for her. Um, wow. But again, you know. Brewing is pretty much basically chemistry. So it's very much science. When yeah. kids say, what is this science going to do for me in the future? Hello, kids. You Are you really going to ask that? Yep. <laughs> and I'm not promoting, by the way, drinking underage. you got to wait till you're 21. Uh, but come on. Chemistry, science, it, it does serve you oh, if it, you want it to. It yeah. absolutely yeah. does. And. Everything about brewing is chemistry and biochemistry. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of, a decent amount of math just in terms of when we do a five-gallon batch, upscaling it to uh, 310 or 620 gallons. Sure. There's a lot of math there. Um, and then there's a lot of art, too, which is, is what Heidi likes a lot because she can infuse a lot of her cooking knowledge and knowledge of different... Um, herbs and spices. You know, we have a honey, hibiscus flowers, uh, beer that we make. We um, and this is have this one with saffron in it. And does she grow um, this stuff, or she purchases it, or mostly we purchase it because you can't grow it in the kind of quantities sure. that we usually need. Sure. Um, and also, you we're heavily regulated. FDA wise, oh, uh, right. as and we're considered a food producer, so we have to be well, able. <laughs> we it's kind of like one of these things. It's kind of like good but bad. There's good and bad, but we have <laughs> yeah. to be able to say the source of our ingredients. Sure, that's um, a good thing. Overall. Yeah, you that's know, a good and thing. like you know, with Mary Shroom, you know, there's plenty of people who think they can or are good at picking mush, wild mushrooms, and ask us if we do that. The answer is absolutely not because I don't want to kill anybody. Mary Magic Mushroom yeah. beer. And so, you know. <laughs> and that would be the best case scenario. Yeah. Because the other case scenario is you drink that and you're dead. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know, we're we're heavily regulated for that reason, which most of those regulations are really uh don't annoy me because I've seen too many people who I know would if they're those regulations weren't in place, they would make stupid beers and do stupid Absolutely. things. Absolutely. So I understand why they're there. So you, you know, understand the nature of sinful humanity where people might actually do something that's not good for them or wise to do? Yeah, well, you know, and how much of it is necessarily <laughs> sinful, I don't know, because some people would just say, you know, this sounds like a good idea. I think I'm smarter than everybody else, so sure. I can pick the correct mushrooms. Heidi! I'm going to make a wild mushroom beer, and everybody will love it. Heidi waved. Sorry. And probably <laughs> everybody would until they pick the wrong mushroom. Right. And, 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 and by sin, I don't mean of the eternal consequence sin. I mean of the miss the mark. <laughs> no, and I guess that could be... The Greek, you know, the Greek word sin, which means here's the bullseye I kind of hit over here. So the bullseye is get decently buzzed and over here is mushroom that kills you right you know yep yeah that sort of thing but if you want to get into sin i mean you could it's kind of arrogance yeah to assume you're always right picking the correct <laughs> mushroom <laughs> and, and so there's a certain amount of We'll Folks, now you know why we actually got into, besides the good beer, which you know us well enough. I mean, that was good enough reason. But now you know why we actually pulled 
angry Eric uh, onto our show, and that's because he also has a good sense of theology, which is a good segue. So, Eric, tell us about that side of you. Well, uh, I don't know that I can say I personally have a theological side, but sure. my grandfather uh, on both sides were Methodist ministers in Africa, um, and my grandmothers on both sides were nurses at missions in Africa, um, and uh, then my father went to seminary. Uh, in the end, he ended up becoming a um, instead of becoming a Methodist minister, he became a uh, he went into teaching and became a uh, professor of uh, religious studies. I think he always, uh, my grandfather on his side was one of the people who had, and my grandmother on that side, who had unquestioning faith. Mm. And I don't think he ever felt he measured up to that. So it was hard for him to imagine himself being a minister. Uh, He does did from time to time at my church that I grew up in uh, he would cover for the minister and do sermons when uh, they were on vacation or out sure. otherwise but I so feel like he lay speaking of the sort yeah yeah. Ed uh, was always you know highly thought of in terms sure. of when he did preach but well he had that education yeah. Yeah. he had the education sure. he had the knowledge um and I think he was probably setting too high a standard for himself because sure. I've met plenty of ministers who I don't think are who fall hundred percent unquestioning <laughs> devotion and faith. Um, yeah. But you know, but you know what the truth there's a the, scale for everything. The truest people of faith, and you can correct me if you think I'm wrong, Sal. But the truest people of faith, I think, struggle the most with it, yeah. and sometimes. While he may not have served at the pulpit, no doubt he served God in his faith in the ways that he felt. I was gonna say it sounds like worthy of doing. You know, yeah, as yeah. a professor of religion, that's a ministry in itself. Professor it of religion is, is it a is. ministry unto itself. Um, yeah, and I think probably some of the mo- some of the folks who probably have the most uh, critical judgment but also critical thinking placed upon their faith are preacher's kids. Yeah. Yeah. Because they see the, not only the the fact that their parents are lifted up on this pedestal of this is an example of faith, and they, (laughs) as preacher's kids, see the, uh, well, no, that's my dad. Talk to my kids about it. They'll tell you how perfect I am. There's a lot of pressure. A lot of pressure there, but they they also can see the struggles that they have, those people have with faith sure. and that manifests in their own faith. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Don't, right, uh, don't mind that scraping sound. That's me picking fuzz off because it's just annoying me. Uh, but yeah, like, and that, you know, so here we are. I just want to point out the irony here. Here we are sitting in a brew house over a couple of beers. Mm-hmm. Maybe few. We'll say we'll a couple. See. Couple, couple, couple few. Fine. Couple few, <laughs> you know. The correct you, amount of beer. Hey, listen, correct. you who are watching can count how many there were. <laughs> but anyway, uh, here we are over beer, sitting in a brew house with a maybe not practicing Methodist, but uh, somebody with a Methodist background who understands the Methodist church, understands prohibition, understands the Methodist push for temperance, and also understands the short-sightedness of that. There, there's a, there is a truth to it in that, and, and I firmly as a Methodist pastor would never serve alcohol at communion because I don't know who has an alcohol problem, who doesn't have an alcohol problem. Yep. And I wouldn't want to be the idiot <laughs> that caused somebody to fall off the bandwagon and literally fall off the wagon, I should say, and literally like, uh, you know, fall into sin as a result of me being stupid. So... So I'm perfectly okay with the Methodist stance of no alcohol in the church, grape juice. I totally get that. But I, I think also any good can also be taken to an extreme. Not everybody has an alcohol problem. John Wesley himself 
had beer and wine regularly, but moderately. You know, he wasn't getting drunk, but he had it on a regular basis moderately. And he wasn't against beer, ale, or wine. He was against, let's say, gin, (laughs) you know, which people were giving to their babies to numb their hunger so that they wouldn't cry because they couldn't afford anything else. You know, so so John Wesley saw that as a real problem, and he wasn't blaming the people doing it. He was blaming the industries creating it, and I, I get that. But John Wesley also enjoyed a good brew, enjoyed a good wine, enjoyed good tea. Not sure if he drank coffee, probably not, but, but you know, he was a Brit through and through. Mm-hmm. And here we are, in his spirit, celebrating the fact that alcohol is neither good nor bad it is what it is and it either can be used for the good or it can be used for the bad depending on the person and Jesus himself had no problem turning seven large vats of water large vats not like you know like a a 750 milliliter bottle seven vats of wine. Seven of these. Yes. These right here filled with wine. His first miracle. (laughs) So so while we don't want to cause people to stumble and fall into sin, we also don't want to get too high on our horses either. And with that said, I say cheers. If Jesus can make the good stuff, so can we. (laughs) And by the way, not only did John Wesley, who it's the most shocking of them because you think of Methodism as anti-alcohol because yeah. of the last hundred years or so, 150 years maybe, um, but so was Martin Luther, who had his own personal brewer. Who His wife was a brewer. Who, his wife was a brewer and would brew him beer that he could sit around the table and talk. Uh, he had round table talks actually, where they would drink beer and talk, and most of that was probably a good thing. Some of that, especially towards Jewish people, probably was not a good thing. But that was maybe the beer talking. Still, it's not anti-Christian to enjoy a good beer, and that's kind of <laughs> what I wanted to highlight. Now, if you are somebody who struggles with beer somebody who may not be able to have maybe one is too many and one is not enough all at the same time Mm -hmm. then there are other options for you Uh, in fact in our last episode for september blake pointed out a couple of uh, non-alcoholic options that actually are top of the line craft type stuff Mm -hmm. Uh, not your budweiser watered down tasting pilsner but actual like stouts and good stuff check that out you know like it's what works for you but but if you do enjoy a good brew and then i think this is a perfect opportunity to recommend that you hop on down to angry eric and don't get mad about it just get angry. Just get angry. You know what I'm saying? And and not to be left out as the Presbyterian John Calvin had in his contract a stipend for, I think it's 1,000 or 3,000 gallons of wine. This proves John Calvin, by the way, was, was superior cool. to John Wesley. That's right. He understood <laughs> that wine and theology go together. Go together. Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. they do right from the Last Supper onward. Yep. <laughs> well... I mean, and I don't want to get too historical about it. Here comes it, temperance. <laughs> but there's a good shot that a lot of the beer and wine discussion is because we did not have good ways of purifying and having clean water. True. Yeah. And when you make beer or you make wine, well, with beer you boil the wort, so... While they did not know it at the time, they were killing any bacteria in there. So even little kids drank like very low alcohol version of beer. I don't recommend that. If you've seen like their desks and houses, they did not grow to full size. They were very tiny at the time. <laughs> it stunted their growth. It AKA. stunted their growth. But that's what they did True because story. drinking water out of the River Thames was going to give you cholera and you kill had a you. choice of being five foot or four foot something to five foot or the choice of being dead. You choose. Right. So. I, I personally would pick being short. 
Yeah. yeah. That, that's a good point. Historically, up until, what, 100, 150 years ago? Totally. Uh, our systems of sanitation and water filtration were not what they are today, so legitimately, this was the more healthy, safer thing to drink. And it also kept your bread from spoiling too quick, which is how the early uh, priests came, the monks came up with it, because it was like, well, we could could make bread out of our grain, or we could store it this way, and it doesn't go bad. In fact, the more bad it goes, the better it is. Right. And um, And you still have the calories, so you you don't lose those. And the protein and the nutrients that go into that. And and actually, for the longest time, the government did not allow nutrition facts to go on beer cans because it would promote, (laughs) they thought it would promote alcoholism because it's actually a darn nutritious drink minus the alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you take the alcohol out of it, this is, you know, don't drink six, six cans of it, but, you know, a can a day would not hurt you. No. I've actually seen In fact, a can a day with the alcohol would not hurt you. I've actually seen, as a Lenten practice, someone who did drink only beer for Lent and mm-hmm. actually lost weight. Lost weight only drinking beer. In fact, that may be my next Lenten practice. Just saying. I thought you were supposed to give up something you love for Lent. Yes, I'm well, I'm wondering I love, who these people are. I love other things <laughs> and besides. How creative they were. Yeah, I was going to say, I love other things besides beer. So it doesn't say give up everything you love for Lent, just True. something you love for Lent. <laughs> so I guess I'll have to give up, oh, I don't know, coffee. Beer for Lent. <laughs> or something like that. I don't know. But you know what? This is a good place for us to end. Um, any last words for posterity's sake? Uh, I don't think so. Stay safe, everybody. Stay safe. safe. Drink We're responsibly. We're still in a pandemic. Be Drink reasonably and responsibly. And support, uh, support your local craft. Uh, yeah. And visit the frick out of Angry Eric if you're in the location. If not, support your local brewery. And if you think you don't like beer, it's probably because you've only had the beer that the big three have thrown at you. Amen. There's, there's plenty of different varieties. There is. And I will so. say... As Eric was pointing out before, having worked in Sussex County for the last seven years, um, this is a county that leans red. Although, uh, more and more, the common common denominator, the common uh, thing that brings people together is more and more I see Eric angry Eric's. Yeah. So, craft brew craft brew bring brings people together it makes them realize uh, the simplicity of just loving community and not care i mean it's important to care about political issues i'm not saying don't they're important but they're not so important that we should destroy the relationships we have because you know what no politician knows you even exist period yep. no Stick with the people who are going to be there for you. They, they don't care. <laughs> they don't care. But that person across the street who might be your neighbor, who's maybe isn't the same political bent as you, they're going to be there when your basement floods. They're going to come over That's and right. help you clean out the and basement and help you. And they're going to bring you a casserole when someone dies. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, not the, and it's not the fault of the politician. I don't want to blame the politician. They don't know you exist, so they can't care that you exist. They don't know you exist. But your neighbors, your friends, your family do. I mean, we can blame some politicians. We can blame some politicians. <laughs> and over some good beer at that. So here, here. On both sides of the aisle. On both sides so of the aisle. So hard to blame. Equal opportunity offenders. <laughs> Rock on, folks. In the meantime, drink it up responsibly, whether it's alcohol or not. And... Be excellent to each other. And don't be a jerk. Don't drink 12 beers. Don't drink 12 glasses of milk. Amen. Amen. Bad things will happen either way. And even 12 glasses of water might be a problem. That's true. (laughs) Rock on. Be excellent to each other. And don't be a jerkus giganticus. Maximus. (laughs) Rock on. Thank you for having me on, gentlemen. Thank you. It's been a pleasure.